As of Wednesday this week, November had seen an unusually high daily average temperature of 24.3 degrees. That's 1.6 degrees higher than the historic daily average for the month, which stands at 22.7 degrees. If the forecasts are accurate, this month could go down in history as the warmest November on record for Taiwan. The Central Weather Bureau says Taiwan will likely see a drier-than-usual winter season with normal winter temperatures. Let's hear from the CWB. According to our latest assessments, the La Nina phenomenon will continue to have an effect on the weather until the end of the winter season. During this period, it is highly likely that we will see cold continental air masses and strong cold air fronts, even cold snaps. The CWB says Taiwan will see between two and three cold snaps in the coming winter. That's in addition to four to five continental cold air masses and seven to eight cold fronts. Tonight in our Spotlight series, we meet members of the International Community Choir. The choir was founded in 2003 and has been a safe haven for talented foreign residents to perform and give back to the community. For almost 20 years, the choir has been holding two concerts every year to give back to the local charity. Their upcoming concert is on December 11th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang met some of the members to find out more. The members of the choir rehearse Gloria in Excelsis Deo. This is the International Community Choir, a group of talented singers who perform together to help raise funds for St. Anne's Home, a local charity in Taipei. The choir performs songs in many different languages, including English, Taiwanese, Mandarin, Japanese, French, Spanish, and Hebrew. In addition, they sing a variety of music genres ranging from jazz, swing, traditional carols, and classical pieces. They are led by Ruby Lai, a conductor who has over 30 years of experience as a pianist and choir conductor. My goal is to let everyone feel renewed and enriched after each rehearsal. I try to pick a variety of music genres. So we sing traditional carols, we do folk songs, classical pieces. Um, we also do jazz, swing, gospel, and sometimes we do a cappella, and we do African music, Latin American music. We sing tunes from the Broadway shows. Founded in 2003, the International Community Choir hopes to unite women from the international community who love to sing and to raise funds for St. Anne's Home. There are currently 19 members hailing from the U.S., Canada, Germany, India, and more. I'm originally from Canada, but have lived in Taiwan for almost 30 years. And when my children were young, I had a large family and I had no personal time for myself. A friend of mine in the choir said, come and sing with us. And I didn't even know how I could do that. But she helped me to facilitate to come and sing in the choir. And it was the only time in the week that I had time for me. And it was just, it filled my soul. I just felt like I met other people. It was a great social connection. And I was around music. When I sing in the choir, it gives me the sense of togetherness, the sense of happiness, to um, see so many different ladies from diverse backgrounds um, imparting a truly multicultural aspect to the choir. And the common thread 
underlying um, the underlying common thread that all these ladies have is the joy of singing. Posture, letting your ribs lift up a little bit. The choir meets Wednesday mornings for a 1.5-hour practice. Choir rehearsal practice starts with stretchings, followed by vocal warm-ups and singing songs. For many of the members, joining the choir has helped them find true friendship, belonging, a home away from home, and self-care. I joined the choir in September of 2015. I had just moved to Taiwan. Um, I actually have served as I served as manager for about six years. Um, what I love about the choir is that, in all honesty, it's a highlight of my week. I always feel better when I get back, get back from choir. Just the sense of being with other people and singing uh, gives me great joy. And so my day is always better after I spend time at the choir, especially during COVID. There was one winter concert, Christmas concert during COVID. No one of the expats could go home in their home country. And they were here in the audience and you could feel their sadness, but also their gratitude to be here. And we as an, as an expat community celebrating Christmas together due to COVID. This was a very emotional moment for me. All the money that comes from the ticket sale, goes to uh, St. Anne's home, which is right next to the church that we're in now. So if you look out of the window, we can already see it. And we try to, to invite as many people as possible because uh, the home is for, for children with um, special needs. So, so they really need a lot of money. And um, we, we are always happy we can if we can provide that. Every year, International Community Choir holds two concerts, one in December and one in May. The concert will be held at the Mother of God Church. All proceeds will go to St. Anne's Home. All tickets proceeds are donated to St. Anne's Home, a local charity in Timu that serves people with intellectual disabilities. The people at St. Anne's Home also attend the concert every year. The most important thing here is to accommodate extremely severe cases. The youngest patient here is 23 years old and the oldest is 52 years old. Our services here start from the moment they come in. We provide them with shelter, food, clothing, housing and transportation. As soon as the person comes in, they will stay here until they grow old. The choir has sung for more than 20 years, twice a year without interruption. It also allows our patients to show their gratitude through their voices. We are very grateful for their help. The choir will hold a concert on December 11th at 3 p.m. at the Mother of God Church in Tianmu. The choir hopes to continue to give back to the community and bring holiday cheer to all. We are the International Community Choir, a celebration of holiday cheer for all. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Li Han in Taipei. Firefighters are constantly finding ways to reduce the risks of fires. With the rise of electric car usage comes a new challenge. Electric cars contain large batteries that burn in a particularly noxious way. But now firefighters have a new strategy, fire blankets. With a specially designed fire blanket, the dangers of an electric car fire are minimized while water is conserved. Flames and smoke rise incessantly from this electric car. Firefighters rush to extinguish the blaze once they're alerted. 
but unlike most flames, which are put up with water or foam, they're using a large white sheet to cover the entire vehicle. Fire blankets like this one are the main strategy for a fire on an electric car. If you tried to put the fire out with water, you'd usually need six to seven fire trucks of water. Using a fire blanket, you can swiftly reduce the temperature of the burning vehicle. Then we can also use associated equipment to put out the fire in the battery at the base of the car. Electric cars are proliferating, and so are accidents involving them. But putting out a fire is harder in an electric car. Thermal runaway occurs when lithium batteries burn, so it gets hotter and hotter, and it releases toxic substances as it burns. In the past, firefighters were limited to using large jets of water to cool it down and waiting until the battery was burnt out. When the chemical reaction was over, they could finally put the flames out. Now using a fire blanket, they can reduce the temperature all around the blaze as well as stop smoke from rising. A special silica gel layer prevents toxic substances and oxygen from passing through and keeps the lithium battery burning in a contained state, saving both water and manpower. We can use minimum labor and the minimum water as we extinguish the fire on the blazing vehicle. Some of the other advantages of the fire blanket include that it's easy to operate and store. Two people alone can place it over a burning vehicle. When folded up, it can be stored easily inside many emergency vehicles. In the future, firefighters plan to also prioritize blankets for other smaller vehicles. With water being such a precious asset, it only makes sense to cherish it. Sources say more than 20,000 employees have absconded from Foxconn in China after a series of disputes and protests in the city of Zhengzhou. Earlier this week, workers at the flagship iPhone plant in China held mass protests, saying that they were not getting the remuneration they had been promised by the company. Reports say discontent had been brewing in the company for some time now, amid concerns of catching COVID with China's strict lockdown measures. Foxconn says it will increase wages and hand out severance pay to affected employees. The protests were a rare and unusual show of public dissent in China. Foxconn's flagship iPhone plant in China's Zhengzhou has been in a chaotic state for several weeks now. Violent protests erupted two days ago between newly recruited employees and security officials. Employees say they were deceived by significant discrepancies between the conditions they were promised and the remuneration stipulated in the contracts they received later. In one video, you can see a group of police in white hazmat suits beating workers with batons and metal rods. A group of workers pushing over a police car, cheering and chanting. Of course China has a plan. It will first offer preferential terms to stabilize them. Then, once the crowd disperses and everyone goes home, and the throngs are no longer there, the authorities will then mete out the relevant punishments. This US-based scholar thinks the protests at Foxconn have been the most significant worker uprising in China in years. It did not only force Foxconn to apologize, but also saw the Taiwanese company promise to pay 10,000 yuan in severance pay to workers who had quit. However, after the violence was over, the Zhengzhou authorities immediately announced a movement restrictions, lasting five days, a euphemism for lockdown. 
Watchers say the move shows that COVID restrictions have become a convenient way to impose social control. They tell you your COVID test is positive, that you're positive. They say you're a close contact to someone with COVID and lock you up. Would you still dare to go outside? Next to me is an old lady. Our entire building has been coated red and cordoned off. This is man-made. It is not a decision based on COVID test results. Some experts reckon that although the riot appeared to be a labour dispute, in reality it exposed the contradictions in China's extreme zero COVID policy. It may be that someone wanted to make use of this incident at Foxconn to deliberately expand their influence and put pressure on the authorities. No matter what the truth of the reasons for the riot is, the clash of China's zero COVID policies with economic development and people's livelihoods is making ordinary people suffer the most. An exhibition has opened in Taipei celebrating the life of Taiwanese singing and acting legend Wen Xia. Wen starred in 11 films throughout his career and recorded more than 1,200 Taiwanese songs before his death at 94 years of age in April this year. The exhibition will be in Taipei only for a short time before relocating to a permanent exhibition hall in his hometown of Ma Dou in Tainan. Together, they inaugurate the exhibition. On stage are relatives of Wen Xia, the members of the chairman, record producer Kei Huang, and other close friends of the late singer. I see that many people and friends have come here to show their support. Thank you very much. Culture Minister Li Yongde and Wen Xia's wife sit in a red vintage car. Back in the day, it was a promotional car advertising the film One Night in Taipei, for which Wen sang the theme song. The car is a chronicle of Wen's glamorous life since his birth in 1928 to his death earlier this year. At the venue, there is also a gigantic photo album, so that fans can remember Wen's career through both black and white and colored photos. starred in a total of 11 Taiwanese language movies through his life and recorded about 1,200 songs in Taiwanese. At the 23rd Golden Melody Awards in 2012, he was honored with a Special Contributions Award. Documentaries, autobiographies and stories will be available to all fans next year, thanks to the efforts of Wen's family and many teams of people. The Ministry of Culture puts forward special budgets to celebrate legends like him and their illustrious lives. Things like biographies, documentaries, concerts and memorial exhibitions will continue to support all these. We have found a fantastic space in Wenxia's hometown of Madol, the Zongye Arts and Cultural Centre. We expect the exhibition hall about his story to open there on May 20th next year. For now, a special exhibition celebrating Wen's life is on at the Taipei Music Center until December 10th. The exhibition items will then be relocated to Wen's hometown of Mado in Tainan to delight fans in southern Taiwan. The FIFA World Cup has kicked off.
featuring in 32 teams competing for the biggest award in soccer. Restaurants and hotels across Taiwan are finding creative ways to attract soccer fans. One hotel is broadcasting matches live and serving up delicious meals for spectators, while another restaurant has launched a game for visitors to predict the FIFA World Cup champions and win prizes. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. Patrons enjoy chicken wings as they watch the FIFA World Cup. Chicken wings are one of the most popular choices at this restaurant. Besides watching live games while enjoying delicious food, customers can also predict the champion and get a chance to win prizes. The recent games are very intense. I think both Germany and Spain are very strong. So I don't know who this year's champion will be. I think it's nice to have a big screen and watch it together and then have something to talk about. You can eat something in the meantime. I like having large portions while watching the World Cup. With the pandemic slowly waning, this restaurant in Taipei decided to launch a game to encourage more people to come out and watch the World Cup. I hope that the World Cup can bring out people who were bored at home or who weren't able to have meals together with others. They can get excited to participate in this event. You can go to our designated webpage and cast a vote to participate. Of course, it won't be until the championship is over that we draw the prize. Over the first few matches, we have seen a 3 to 5 percent increase in reservations. In 2018, we noticed that there would definitely be more people participating toward the end of the championship during the more important games. This hotel in Taipei broadcasts live games daily and serves up meals, including Cuban sandwiches, truffle fries, and Sichuan pepper chicken wings. In addition, a variety of party snacks and beverages from various countries are available for fans to choose from. With the FIFA World Cup back in action after four years, the bar at our hotel will broadcast the event and launch a limited FIFA special meal. When watching a football game, fried foods are a must. The games have been going on for a few days now, and we can clearly see the number of diners increasing in the evening. We estimate that we can see about a 20% increase in visitors to the bar in about a month. A total of 32 teams across five continents are competing in the FIFA World Cup this year. Restaurants and hotels across Taiwan are finding creative ways to attract football fans. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Han in Taipei. 166 military couples tied the knot on Friday at a mass wedding ceremony. The event was presided over by Army Commander Xu Yanpu, who encouraged the newlyweds to work toward growing Taiwan's population. With smiles amid the pomp and ceremony, the couples say they hope they can spend more time with each other now that they are firmly a family. A military police motorbike leads the motorcade. Behind it, a couple waves to the crowd from the top of a military vehicle. Following them, more than 100 military couples march forward, ready to get married. Before the ceremony, they release hundreds of balloons to the skies. A total of 166 couples took part in this mass wedding ceremony. For many of the couples, the grooms are wearing military uniforms and the bride's wedding gowns. But there are also several instances where both are in military attire. One couple in particular stood out.
is Captain Su Zhongxuan, whose father is Nepalese. She had always dreamt of serving in the military, and so, with support from her family, she gave up her Nepalese citizenship. She graduated with a degree in music from the National Defence University and met her husband at a military song contest. Army Commander Xu Yanpu gave the newlyweds some tips about marriage. Happiness in marriage relies on mutual understanding and tolerance. When there are disagreements, remember to be considerate to each other. Starting next year, your mission is to serve the country by increasing production. Having a cute baby makes the family feel more complete. Distance means nothing for our love. I love you more with each passing day. All right, all right. It's tough with you being in the outlying islands. I hope you can be assigned back to Taiwan proper soon. At least one couple says they'll heed orders and add a baby to their family next year. With work on their way and dispatches all around Taiwan, however, for many the only time to meet is on weekends and national holidays. And now they have a wonderful memory together, getting married in this once-of-a-lifetime event. An E2K early warning aircraft on Friday morning skidded off the runway at a base in Pingdong after completing a training mission. The aircraft took off at around 9 a.m. with five people on board. Upon landing at 11.12 a.m., the plane slid off the runway due to a suspected malfunction. The good news is none of the people on board were hurt. Let's hear from the Air Force. A team has been dispatched to Pingdong to get a better understanding of the situation. As of now, we haven't received a concrete reason as to why it happened, so I can't offer an explanation. The E2K is extremely important, so a sea landing would not be good. They would absolutely have to do a belly landing, but a belly landing would generate sparks and it would flip to the side in a way that can't be controlled. This time, calamity was averted. The plane was damaged, but all people on board were safe. The E2K early warning aircraft are often used in long-term monitoring missions at sea. The Air Force says it will look into what caused the incident.